Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. This is 2015, man. We are killing it right now. Started off strong this year, man. What do you think? Yeah, we're starting off real strong. We wanted to really hit people over the head with some killer guests. You know, Ori Hoffmeckler. If you guys haven't heard that episode, oh, you got to go back. <laughs> Whip out a notepad or your computer when you're listening because he just drops knowledge after knowledge after knowledge. And then if that weren't overwhelming enough, Ian King is came out this week or last week when this episode will be out a week after. Yeah. And that and that if you liked the <laughs> first episode we did with Ian, you're gonna love the second episode because he really gets into some funny stuff and not only is it entertaining, but he, he I, I went back and listened to that just recently. Yeah. Because he had so many good things to say about strength and conditioning for MMA, strength and conditioning in general, a lot of the pitfalls he sees, pros and cons of CrossFit. And he really he really gets into it and he he doesn't try to be diplomatic or political or political but at the same time he's not being a prick either exactly he's just being very straightforward which i respect fully it's a, it's a lot of aha moments going on during that interview you're kind of like you know what man you're right i didn't think about it that way so you know even even when one, back, one thing one thing one thing he forgot to bring up is the importance of keeping your personal life to yourself a lot of times people are <laughs> a lot of times people in our industry think that everybody cares about your personal life Amen. and the reality is we don't you're not a celebrity and even if you are Keep your personal life private, man. You're not doing yourself any benefits by just sharing every detail about your personal life. Let that be your lesson for 2015, man. Don't treat social media as the lifetime network. Okay, no one wants to read about your lifetime special or anything like that. Keep your personal life private. That's one tidbit you can take through, take with you through the entire year. Take that one. Don't worry about diets. Don't worry about exercise. Keep your business to yourself. And trust we, me, we, I we, we, we going. always say don't. No, we always say don't. We, we always say you need to pull your head out of your ass. Well, some of you need to put it back in there. Exactly. So we don't know who <laughs> you're better who off it with it back in there. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. We have we have another killer guest today. And also a real quick one. I think the week this episode comes out, I'll actually be in Orange County. This is going to be January 21st, I believe, because I'm going to be checking out a friend of our show's Madball, Freddie Madball show. Freddie Madball is going to with his band Madball, of course, and Donnie Brook and Misery. They're doing a show in Anaheim Thursday, January. I think that's the 21st. Twenty uh, second, I think. Well, anyway, check it. Check out Mailball on their Facebook page. And if anyone of you guys wants to come out and check out the show, definitely hit me up. Shoot me an email. And we can hang out at the show. And my friend Tom Ritz is, I think, going to be coming out with me. Super cool guy. <laughs> this will be an interesting experience <laughs> yeah, very for Tom. Interesting night. <laughs> I was like, Tom, you like jazz, right? Yeah, you'll love the show. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, Freddie, Freddie's a really cool guy. Not only did he come on our show and was a great guest, he said that whenever we. So that's that's a really nice gesture on his part. So definitely support underground music, support great music like what they do, and check out Madball. And if you want to come out to the show, hit me up, and we'll get a chance to hang out a little bit. And let's see, is one more announcement? No, I think that's about it. The other thing I wanted to say is to congratulate. Oh, sorry, sincere. Did you have something? No, I'm just saying, um, you know, take care of our our business before we get into the show. So tell everybody head over to our websites and put those coupon codes to use. The coupon code is LLA. You can go to MikeMahler.com or NewWarriorTraining.com. Get 10% off of all of our products over there. Anything that you can purchase, you'll get a discount on that. So use that coupon code. And also, if you're, I know lots of folks last year were saying that, you know, they wanted to support the show. They've sent reviews. They've bought product. And it's like, what's another way they can support the show? Well, now we've hooked it up to where you can become a patron of the show, where you pretty much, again, when you get that head out of ass syndrome that Mike talks about, this is how you can cure that <laughs> by going over to our Patreon page and become a monthly supporter. Just kind of like you do with PBS. OK, so we're taking a page out of their book. So we found a simple way for you guys that we can support the show each and every month with your donations. So all you have to do is hop over to Patreon.com slash L.L.A. podcast. That's P.A.T.R.E.O.N. dot com slash LLA podcast. Hey man, a simple $5 donation each month, man, really goes a long way in the helping help us with the production of this show. Because again, this is not free. This, this comes out of our pocket, but we definitely want to continue to bring great guests like the ones we have today and keep bringing that to you and also put into production power and things like that. There's a lot of improvements have happened on the show since we started this a year and a half ago, man. And again, like I said, that it's not free. It takes funds to make that happen. So definitely, Hey, show your support. Like I said, Get over that head out of ass syndrome. Hop over there. Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Spread the word as well, man. Don't keep it to yourself. Let other people join in. 
There you go. Yeah, and the other thing you can do to support the show is the old-fashioned method, which is buying the best nutrition supplements ever made on the marketplace. You want the best testosterone booster? Guess what? I got it. You want the best estrogen blocker? I got it. You want to? You, you finally have a goal. When you take your shirt off, you have the same exact physique as your wife. Time to get on my estrogen blocker. <laughs> Right. Some of you, some of you guys, when you use the bathroom, it looks like a crime scene. That means you've got so much. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had to say that quickly. I had to say that quickly because I would start laughing too. <laughs> you know, that means you've got so much inflammation that your gut, your gut health is so poor. You need to get on my restore sign. Not only does it help reduce muscle pains and so forth, it lowers inflammation. So your gut can heal, and you're not going to have those dietary. Dis- you're not going to have that gut distress oh, anymore. And then I got recovery oil, which is transdermal magnesium zinc to help you get the best sleep you've ever had. So anyway, the best nutrition supplements that I use personally. I started off using these personally. I benefited from it. Shared it with a few people. They benefited from it, and now I'm bringing it to you guys. That's the way this thing works. I never sell anything that I don't use. So use that coupon code. Just like these guys did, some of our best supporters recently, William McQueen, Steve Sampson, Jonathan Mimes, Jonathan Fitzgerald, David Bacout, John Galvany, and I sorry, sorry if I mispronounced any of those names, but you guys are awesome. You all used coupon code LLA to get 10% off and support the show. So our, our VIP guests, our most important listeners, I should say rather, are the people that support our businesses. So special thanks to these guys because the rest of you – that are listening to the show for free have never bought anything from us. That's okay, but just keep in mind the reason why you can do that is because of guys like I meant, the, the, the kind of guys I just mentioned. Exactly. Anyway, all of that stuff aside, we have an incredible guest today, really cool guy. He's a former professional MMA fighter. He won season six of The Ultimate Fighter, and he's also well-known for his plant-based diet. I made a point of not saying vegan because he doesn't like that word, and we'll talk about that (laughs) during the episode today. But I've known him for a couple years. We've communicated by email, and we just had a nice little conversation before we started recording today. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him, and that's Mac Danzig. Mac, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, first question that everyone wants to know is, is Glenn Danzig your father? <laughs> no, that, 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 that would have been nice. I, I would have had, had some nice access to, to uh, some good shows and stuff like that growing up. No, I had to pay for my, my Danzig show tickets when I was a teenager. No, I, I, I wish, but that, it is what it is. <laughs> you could wear Danzig t-shirts, though, and it has a different meaning for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what's life like now that you're not a professional fighter? Um, well, at the moment, you know, it's still a struggle because um, this is a, a, a hard thing to transition away from um, being a professional athlete. And, you know, I, I um, you know, certainly wasn't getting paid the kind of millions that, that a lot of athletes get. And, um, you know, I'm not the only one. There's There's plenty of fighters that you know, we, we make like a, like a, a decent living wage or whatever, but, uh, when it all, when it's all said and done, if you haven't, um, invested properly or you haven't figured out a definite solid plan, it's, it's kind of difficult. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, busting my butt, like working, you know, just trying to get done what I can. Um, and, uh, you know, do, doing a lot of teaching and coaching, um, finding myself, uh, teaching private lessons, teaching group classes, um, things like that. There's a few different gyms that I bounce around at uh, throughout LA, and I teach people at. And I've got a studio at my own place, and um, yeah, just just uh, doing that and um, trying to build a little bit, and then uh, hopefully, you know, open up some more opportunities to to for some growth in in, in that in that industry. It's just yeah. you know you know you guys know how it is. It's it's a hustle. So uh, right. it's it's been. Um, you know, I don't want to complain, but, you know, just like like all of us, you know, we're, we're yeah. all trying to make it happen. Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is people watching at home on pay-per-view, they see you fighting in front of thousands of people. They see these sponsors on your shorts, and they automatically think these guys are loaded. 
Right. When, they, when they retire, it's just going to be martinis on the beach, expensive <laughs> <Right. laughs> vacations. You're going to be you're invited to the Emmys as a guest. I mean, yeah. that's that's what the average person exactly. assumes, and yeah. it's really I, not the case. Huh? Yeah, it's it's not the case at all. And I mean, it's it's not the case for guys that were really making tons of money, not only in my sport, but just right. in more mainstream sports. Like yes. you look at these NBA guys and and everything. And yeah, maybe. Um, it's the the way they live their lifestyle too. Maybe they're 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 pushing the envelope with with what they are getting paid, even though they're getting millions. But still, at the at the end of it, a few years detached from from their career, they they're broke. And uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things, man. You gotta you gotta have a backup plan. And I kind of dreaded it for years. Once I started making a living at at MMA and I was in the UFC, I, I was dreading. That it was always looming overhead, you know, the stress of oh, what am I going to do when this ends? And uh, yeah. you know, when it finally happened, it was just as hard as I thought it would be. But uh, <laughs> but, but um, you know, I mean, none of us are given anything, you know, like yeah. like it's 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 a struggle for everybody. So so for me to go running around whining isn't isn't going to help. You know, you just got to get out there and do it and 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 try to do what you love. And and I I love teaching people, so you know, that's that's what i've uh started going after immediately yeah now one thing about it when again we were just talking about the misconceptions with the person that's sitting at home and watching tv and thinking that you guys are making these millions or whatever you know how is it that some of these fighters are actually to go in and negotiate and and get these big salaries for these fights who are they're not sometimes they're very lackluster where mike and i always talk about some of the best fights are the ones that are not most of the best fights are the ones that are not on pay-per-view the free ones. Yeah, cause yeah those, those are the guys. Those are the guys that are hungry that exactly. that, uh, that yeah. don't have as much to lose. You know, when you, when you put all this pressure on these these big name guys and they have so much to lose, then it becomes right. like uh, you know like like a contest of small incremental wins. You know, like little little momentary wins and and tiny points scored and and right. those sorts of things are, are what yeah. carries a guy through. You know, rather than uh, rather than always going for the finish, um, you know, the guys that are making the, that kind of money in our sport, I mean, they're still not making all that much. But the guys that are making that kind of money are the ones that have been able to get themselves in a position where they're so dominant and they're also marketable. And um, they, you know, they're able to get a cut of the pay-per-view sales in addition to whatever their um, fight purse is. But, um, you know, unfortunately... And you know, at the same time, it's I guess it's good for the the public. The the um, all of our salaries have always been public domain, so you can right. go and, and look and uh, see what what uh, the fighters have made for each for each fight. And um, in most cases, it's it's drastically less than what you would expect from uh, any type of professional athlete, you know, to be making. But that's because the UFC is a private organization and they they're the only game in town and they've absorbed pretty yes. much any other corporation right. that, that has tried to come along and and uh be a competitor and that's exactly why they're having the uh the, the this pending lawsuit and we'll yeah. see if it if it gets certified and goes into class action or not but whether it does or not you know like there's there's definite um cause to 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 bring that you know monopoly suit to to the courts you know yeah I, mean, I think the pressure no go ahead sincere go ahead oh no I'm just like you you got to know that you know these guys are getting upset a lot of the fighters I mean you sit there and you look at people like Mayweather and those guys in boxing they're making millions pretty much Mayweather's dancing around for about. 12, 13 rounds. This dude's getting multi-millions for this. And hell, I mean, we can go back to the days when Mike Tyson was fighting. Hell, I would have fought, I would have fought Mike, Mike Tyson back in the day. If you just punch me and I fall down, I get 25 million. Please, Mike, knock me the hell out. I'll take it. You know, whereas, <laughs> you know, it's not the same, you know, with a lot of MMA fighters, man. It's like you're putting your bodies on the line and you coming out with like 25 grand, five, you know, 50 grand or hell, if you lose, you might come out with five grand. It's like that barely covers all your bills for your training camp. So you can kind of yeah. see why some of these guys are getting upset now, especially when you have, you know this this pending you know entrance of CM Punk and guys like him coming into the fold. <laughs> you know, of course, people yeah. keep asking Mike and myself our opinions on that. You know, I was like, you know, let's save that for when Matt comes on. We can talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, like how a lot of fighters feel about that because you know CM Punk's not going to get fifty thousand dollars for fighting that night. He comes in there. He's not because he comes from I the mean, world. He comes from the world right. of Vince McMahon. He knows how to negotiate. That's the reason why he's not in the WWE anymore because right. of negotiating. He knows how to play the game and how to be business savvy yeah. about this and not just be a performer. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like a, a lot of these the, these guys that are up and coming that are trying to make their way in, you know, if they get four thousand dollars to to show for a fight or five grand to show for a fight, you know, obviously, like you said, that doesn't cover much of anything, not even the training expenses. And then um, there, but the problem is they're in a situation where they they don't feel like they have the power to negotiate anything else being right. new and up and coming because right. the sport has exploded and there's a lot of new and up and coming guys that are willing to fight for free. They yeah. fight free yeah. and less. I mean, like, it's just like, okay, well, if you don't want it, get out of line. There's a bunch of people behind you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a problem there with that. But, uh, you know, like I, I like to like mention this, like, like there, there's two sides of the story. One side is that the UFC took this sport when it was pretty much underground and was was it was brand new it was underground and it was it was pretty much gonna you know gonna dissolve in a lot of ways and the UFC took a chance on it you know the, those Fertitta guys bought the organization they lost money for a few years it was a business uh, decision on their point and they and you know they they were able to build this sport but but then at the same time, okay, you got to give them credit for building the sport and promoting it and, and bringing it to, to this stage. But at the same time, you can't abuse your creation. You know, if I, if, if I, if I get together with, with, with a woman and make a baby, I can't abuse that kid, you know, just because I made it. You know what I mean? Like it, you, yeah. you, you can't exploit the, the fighters that put it on the line for you. And, and there is the problem. And I try not to be a bitter person. About a lot of things, but I got to say, it's is pretty disheartening when you see a guy like CM Punk just get it, like an, an entry right into the UFC. Yeah, and I and right. I get it. It's it's about sales. It's about bringing. You but you know, know I, I don't like it either. And because I mean, here's an here's an analogy that I've heard a few people use. If if Leonardo DiCaprio wanted this to play in the NBA, would that be great for publicity? Yeah, but he's not right. qualified to do it, so it's right. never going to happen. No matter how much money it'll make anyone, because exactly. he's not a, he's not a professional athlete. Right. NBA right. is a professional association. Right. They're not they're not going to you can't just pay your way onto being a player, and that's essentially what CM Punk is doing. It's almost like he's paying his way into the UFC. Yeah, he's going, hey, I'm a, I'm a I'm a famous celebrity guy. And I'm not even sure he's going to make as much as what Sincere mentioned. He may be willing to do it for a lot less just because he clearly wants to do it. And well, yeah, he's, he's given he's given an opportunity just because of yeah. he's a big name. But is he qualified to be there? Right. I don't, the answer, in my opinion, is no. He's Wait, never had it. He's never. How could he be qualified it, when he's never exactly. had a professional fight? At least Brock had some type he's, of Division One experience as a wrestler well, in college. Well, yeah, no. Brock, Brock had had Division One wrestling experience, and then he also did have one fight and yeah, another exactly, organization yeah. before that that he was able to win then his right. first fight in the ufc he got submitted in a minute and 10 seconds right. you know um and and it was like okay well but then but then he still <laughs> yeah he was able to to come back and and keep training and then he actually did some things in a division where you know the the skill level was pretty pretty low until uh, until cain velasquez came along like right, the heavyweight right. division has always been you know the notoriously lowest skill division in in uh, the UFC and in boxing too. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, like it's it's hard because the problem the problem is you know even the way that fighting is promoted sadly is is through the idea of contention and that's why it works so so well that uh, Floyd Mayweather um, makes so many people mad because then people will buy the pay-per-views because right. they want to see him get beat. So <laughs> if, if yeah. half the people are mad at CM Punk because they know that he doesn't deserve there, deserve to be there and they think it's bullshit, then they're going to go ahead and yeah. uh, watch it anyway because they right. want to see him, him get beaten. So it's like right. a nice win right. for the, for the UFC. This isn't like a tennis match where it's like, Oh, well, you know, like, the dude just, you know, did a bunch of served a bunch of aces and and just, you know, <laughs> won straight sets and and CM Punk goes and walks off the tennis court. It's like no, he he gets his face wrecked, you know, or he's <laughs> right, embarrassed. Yeah, right. and, yeah. and that's that's the nature of the the sport and that's the way they market it. So, 
It's like, it, and I'll be honest with you. It's I hate I hate to admit it, but if I have to be honest, I'm probably going to watch it in whatever fight he has because I because <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting happens, for him to you know? fight. People like, yeah, are curious. A, you know? it's, kinda, it's like a train. It's like a car wreck, man. It's like you, you yeah. know you don't yeah, you, you don't, don't want to rubberneck, man, but you still want to see how bad right. it's going to be. You yeah, so you can tell yourself like, whoo, I'm glad it's not me. It's man. like it's like a plane crash, and you don't want to be on it. But if it happens right in front of you, you're not going to look away. You're going to exactly. be mystified. Yeah, you're going to be in a trance watching this plane about to hit the ground exactly, you know? yeah, yeah he you know he, you're absolutely right though he's not qualified and um you know for the legitimacy of the sport for, and for all the the people who are busting themselves so hard for so many years you know toiling away trying to to make it and 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 follow their dream it's it's a slap in the face to have a guy like that come come in. Well, but, I, and I love how people just get behind it that are that work for the UFC, such as John right. Anik going. Well, I believe you're going to be a real contender because you've got great cardio. It's like, well, I got <laughs> I have great, I have great cardio too, John. But I'm going to get my ass oh, handed to me by any professional fighter. Okay? Mike, look at the, look at look who you just mentioned. There's some credible sources right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I was like, come on, come on, man. Just don't say anything. So, Mike and I are great fans, by the way, Mac of. Uh, um, of John Anik, as a matter of fact. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, here's what really sucks, man. Mike and I were talking about this yesterday, man. Like, you would think, first of all, that they would have learned with the whole James Tony Randy Couture situation. Yeah. You know, it was already, yeah. that was already, they were already tinkering on the line of like losing some credibility with that. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. you had Kimbo Slice who wanted to come in. But what's the first thing that Dana says is like, look, if you want to fight in the UFC, you need to go through the ultimate fighter and prove right, yourself. Right. So why? Would he not do the same thing with CM Punk? There's there's a million do- double standards, and that's yeah. that's exactly why you know guys have been um, had had the hammer come down on them for much less things than yes. what has happened with John Jones recently, who yeah. who got busted for cocaine, yeah, and it's like okay, well, yeah. we we we're gonna support him as a human being because we care about him and we're glad that he's in rehab and we just want him to be okay. Well, that's great, but what about the uh, the the kid that worked so hard that you guys fired because he tweeted a quote from a TV show? You know what I mean? What about yeah. the you know and you guys you know like like what about the the guy who um you know got got his uh, bonus and his his win bonus and his um his uh, fight of the night bonus taken away for for having um marijuana in the system yeah. you know what i mean but but it's okay you well, that, knew that brings john up jones. the question though yeah. would, would if john jones were a lower tier fighter let's just say he's just a regular guy in the mix not even close to championship contention and then he got busted with cocaine metabolites in his system would he be axed absolutely yeah. without a doubt like i'm not even gonna say like 99 percent is 100 percent he would 100 percent he would no there's no doubt about it and then you think it also comes down to playing the game as well because let's talk about it you know you had the 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 nevada you know state commission pretty much you you have nick diaz suspended for a year just for having marijuana metabolites in his system you know here's john is like well i'm going to rehab okay john no problem we won't we won't yeah we wish you well brother we'll be right here waiting for you when you get out (laughs) they knew about it before the fight you know yeah yeah. yeah, but you know, a lot of money behind that. So it's but yeah, but at, exactly. at the same time, some people are going. <laughs> I heard something. You gotta you gotta love the internet, right? There's so many stupid discussions on there, and I avoid most of them. But every once in a while, they're so dumb. I'm intrigued to look. Right. And one one guy was arguing that he should be stripped of his title because cocaine is a performance enhancer, and that he may not he may not have beat Cormier. I got I go. I'm not an expert on cocaine. All right, let me but, see. You're not going to get through a five round fight if you take cocaine right before. You better Obviously, win in the first you know, minute. <laughs> you know? That's someone that's far removed from some type of urban privilege. Have you ever tried to go five rounds with a crackhead? No, because the crackhead <laughs> will not last for five rounds. You know, after the first round, they have to do what they need to do in the first minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're dangerous for about two seconds. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've so never I, heard to, anyone to tell you the truth. I'm more impressed that John is performing at the level he has. The fact that he is potentially some kind of substance abuser. If he really is using a lot of drugs, alcohol, he's got all these destructive habits. In some ways, I'm more impressed by because the fact I mean, that he's or, maybe yeah, Jim Morrison, I mean, Jim Morrison is, Jimi Hendrix, all those guys could have learned something from him. So, you know, <laughs> he knows something. Okay, <laughs> this is pretty common, um, unfortunately, among fighters. You know, I, I can I can attest to that and I have a myself. That. Be, yeah. Being being around the culture. Yeah. And and seeing the way that a lot of these guys live their lives. And it's not like 
they're all these crazy, like, overdo-it, partying all the time people. I mean, they all have their own distinct different personalities and everything. But more often than not, you know, I I would see guys using performing it, performance-enhancing drugs, using, you know, like, recreational drugs. Um, and, you know, I'm not just talking about some marijuana every now and then. I'm talking about pills. I'm talking about Coke. Yeah. You know, like the, the, you see that a lot and um you know it's not everybody you know there's still a good amount of guys who who are clean and are are very disciplined but you know that's that's just something that you see a lot of it with uh with a lot of athletes well here's my theory on that and i'm curious what you think okay now dopamine receptors in the brain right that we're all we're all addictive people i mean we're 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 hardwired to be addicted to things that give us pleasure because yep. the dopamine, the neurotransmitter in our brain, it provokes us to chase things that we are easily going to become addicted to so we get that pleasure feedback loop. Yeah. Now, when you look at a professional fighter, you have to be crazy just to be a professional fighter because you're basically saying my job is I'm going to go in a cage and get into hand-to-hand combat, get into a fight with someone who could potentially just knock my head off. On purpose. Right. And, that, and that's <laughs> yeah, the average yeah. fighter. Now take a guy like John Jones who – Wants to be the best, in my opinion, I think he is the best pound for pound fighter. That's just my that's just my opinion. But in yeah. his mind, he wants to be the best of all time in yeah. every weight class. He wants to be known as the best pound for pound fighter of all time. So his his addictive personality is exponentially even higher than the average person. Now, because yeah. he's got such an addictive personality, it's very easy to take that mm-hmm. and it have it permeate into other areas, whether it's right. drugs or self-destructive behavior or whatever it is, because it's all coming from the same – the brain reacts the same way, whether it's the addictive the, – the feedback loop from fighting or taking drugs or something else. Yeah. Or business yeah, or whatever I, I, it is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That theory totally holds water for me. I mean, I, I hadn't necessarily thought of of that before, that, but that makes sense, yeah. Because, I mean, so many people are judgmental. The flip side of this is people are so judgmental. I don't, I don't think anyone who's who's never fought in the UFC can understand the pressures. I mean, I've been at a live event before, and yeah. I'm not fighting. I'm just there live, and I'm watching the fighters walk in, and I'm nervous. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Because, because again, I'm just like, wow, know. this guy's about to walk in. I'm nervous for him. He doesn't, I, don't, I don't know the guy. He doesn't know me. I'm, I'm like, wow, man, my heart my heart rate's going up. I'm getting nervous. The cage is clowing. I'm closing. I'm getting more nervous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this guy's looking at his opponent. He's about to take on this guy that wants to knock his head off. And at the same time, yeah. you've got these, you've got like six 20,000 people right in that same building with you who like spent their hard-earned money and they they expect the most they're like look dude, I spent about $800 on this ticket you better give me a freaking good fight or I'm gonna boo you and then <laughs> that starts to mess with you mentally and then the guy in front of you is talking crap to you so it's all this yeah. stuff is happening at once so it's like how That's you're dealing with type of stress management you talk about dealing with stress management that is the time right there and then, and then yeah. when you when you lose all of these, all of these brain chemicals I'm talking about are totally depleted. Where yeah. I'm not surprised that you'll you'll have a proclivity to take some drug or take some upper yeah. and try to get you back to normal. Right, right. Like, right. So what is that like, back? You know, it's like when you. Okay, when you win, okay, of course, we just talking about dopamine, how you're on that high, like, yeah, man, yeah. and then you see a lot of guys like, I can't wait to my next fight, and then it kind of right. pisses when they like, they're not cleared to fight for another 30 days, 60 days, whatever, like, no, I'm ready right. to fight now, but then there's always that flip side of that, most people just see, when a guy loses, it's like, okay, he lost, and then they start focusing on the winner again, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, know, you know, it's like, okay, well, anyway, John won, so, yeah, so yeah. what about Dan- <laughs> Daniel? So, like, yeah. Mike and I were talking about Daniel Cormier. Like, he puts so much emotionally into this fight, man. Yeah. Know, you can only imagine what this guy's feeling like these, yeah, this yeah. past week and a half or whatever, this past week. Yeah. And just dealing with it because he spent months putting his emotions into that. So, yeah. like, what is it? I mean, of course. In, a, in a, my opinion, he didn't win a round. Some people were saying, oh, he won oh, yeah, round no. two and three. I, I, thought John, <laughs> I thought John swept that whole fight. And especially yeah. rounds four and five, but I thought he won every round, but definitely four and five. So Daniel Cormier didn't, he didn't have any success with what he wanted to do, such as taking him down, right. dominating him, putting him in trouble. I didn't think John was in trouble ever in that fight. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So what does it feel like? You know, like when you you put everything into it, man, leading up to that fight, and then it doesn't go the way that you wanted to. What is like just the the recovery of that after that fight before you go into the next fight? Like just mentally it's, and emotionally, it's really it's really difficult. It's the lowest of the lows, and 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 that's the the whole thing. There's there's a few different ways of of trying to tackle that that like a, a good coach or trainer may may try to 
to do. And, and one of the ways is, okay, take some time off, um, clear your mind, get away from fighting, get away from the gym, mm-hmm. take some time off, reflect, um, center yourself. And another way of, of looking at it, depending on what you think the, the fighter and their personality, you know, needs at that time, it's, is to, is to go the, the opposite direction. Just, Say okay, let's put this behind us. Get right back in the gym and let's 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 fix this. Let's right. let's get a win. And um, but unfortunately, you can't always do that because the way the athletic commissions work, they they will suspend you mm-hmm. just for a loss. And then if you got any type of injury, if you got stopped from punches, got knocked out, or the ref stopped the fight because you were taking punches, um, you're going to be put on the shelf for even longer. You know, like ninety days, you know, or more. So um. And then on top of that, like trying to get scheduled, if you're under contract in UFC, trying to get scheduled again is really, really hard. I've sat on the bench for seven months totally healthy before because they just didn't have room for me because I had too many guys on the roster. Now, uh, back to your your question, though, it's it's the lowest of the low, man. I mean, it's it's deep depression and and that's in I think therein almost lies the the attraction with some people to it, it's like, it's like, you know, the highest of the high, if you win and the lowest, of the low, if you lose. And, um, you know, like battling with that, you know, this almost is like life or death type of, of, uh, scenario, whether you win or lose is, is it's, it, there's, there's something about that because the, the, the win is, is so special, but, um, it's really hard. And then like, you know, I I think like Mike was saying, you know, like all these things that, these immediate stimulate stimulating things that that are addictive, whether it's drug abuse or just like food addiction or anything yeah. like that. I mean, like, I mean, I personally, I was never like the food wasn't on my mind. I mean, it's a necessity, right, right. but I was never right. thinking about it until I started cutting weight for fights. Yeah. When you start cutting weight for fights, and then you start to think, hmm, like. <laughs> I'm depriving myself now. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, I, know, yeah. I know what deprivation is like. Now I'm gonna have to uh, go ahead and have those yeah, those over, cookies over, that I didn't say, care about. Those I, ain't, <laughs> I ain't care about cookies for 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 the for years, but now I think I want some cookies. In fact, I think I'm gonna have some potato chips. And then, like like you just you just open the floodgates when it's all over. And I don't yeah. know if you guys followed boxing, but Roberto Duran was one of those guys that like he would balloon up to over 200 pounds, yeah. and he was fighting to, like. 147, 140. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, um, and, and I mean, like I haven't gone to that extent cause my metabolism is still pretty good, but I, I mean, I've ballooned up and, and then when, when you're like trying to indulge in things like that, you're all inflamed cause you're eating a bunch of processed junk food and, right, and, right, and right, tons right. of sodium and everything. And you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, ah, geez, like, what am I doing to myself? That's like, that's that's that cycle it's like you lose you you take that time you you abuse yourself even more you get get depressed and everyone handles their depression in a different way and then and then you got to motivate yourself to get on out of that you know and it's 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 a rough cycle it's it's a rough lifestyle for sure yeah i mean everything we do has a biochemical response so every behavior we have, whether it's waking up and having a cup of coffee or just the desire to have a cup of coffee or going for a run, you know, everything we do has a drug-like response. So that's why it's so easy for anyone to become addicted. People don't realize how delicate brain chemistry is. Yeah, exactly. And a lot yeah. of times people, just about everybody's got some type of addiction to something. They just don't even realize it or want to admit it. And right. Yeah, yeah. Which brings up the thing, brings up the case here. You know, with all the coaches that a lot of fighters have in their camp, I think one of the most important coaches that is missing from a lot of these camps is having a, a coach to help you with your mental state. You know, to have, yeah. some, to have a sports psychologist, someone like that on tap to help lead you in the right direction with this so you don't get caught into these pitfalls because these are aspects where the average strength and conditioning coach or the average BJJ coach or whatever, they really don't have the experience to really work with them on this. You know, they may give some advice here and there, hey, this is how blah, 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 because that's what worked for them. 
but they're not yeah. really experts in personalities like that. Sure. They, they might be an expert in a fighter, in a fighting style personality. Like, okay, this is how I need to approach this kid as far as teaching him jujitsu because he's the one that needs to be, he needs affirmation. He needs to be told, good job. Or here's the kid that, like, don't give him any props when he's done. Like, hey man, good job, man. Don't, don't tell me that. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are people like, so he knows how to operate from that aspect and then kind of, he's limited to that, but he doesn't really understand like, okay, where, okay, where were you, where were you born? How, what was your childhood like? What was all this? Because all that stuff is going to play a big part in the way that this, this athlete is going to approach, not just fighting and leading up to the fight, but what happens after the fight. If he's one of those Absolutely. kids where he was never good enough, where he came in and he had like A's on his report card and he had like, let's say a 91 and his father's like, why didn't you get a hundred? You know, yeah. so guess what? Yeah. That kid in his mind won. He got an A, but his dad still, it wasn't good enough. So here's a guy. Okay. He just won a fight. But he's, you know, he's feeling like, well, damn, I could have done better. I could have done better. And he goes into depression. You're like, dude, you've been, you've won the last six fights. Yeah, but I didn't do my best. You know, I could have done better. I let everybody. You may, you may be depressed just because it's anticlimactic. You could have exactly. won and dominated, but it's over, and then you're going, now what do I do? Exactly. Yeah. You be depressed yeah. because of that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah. Totally. I mean, like, yeah, you, you guys are right. It's, it's, it's a rough situation. And think about it this way: like, if you're that guy. Making five grand and and uh, for for a fight that you you train twelve weeks for and, and and put years and years of training to get up to that point, you can't afford that sports psychologist. You right. know what I mean? That five grand is barely gonna uh, cover you know your training expenses, let alone your 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 rent and and gas and food money, and if you have a child to support and you know everything else. So. So I think um, the only people that can really afford that are that, you know, there's no union here. There's no union appointed trainers, union appointed uh, like sports psychologists or anything like that. You're, we're independent contractors as fighters. And so that's how that's why we can be canned so easily. There's no workman's comp. There's no health insurance for us. And so uh, it's up to you to be able to, to go out and do that. And I'd say most fighters, when they think about it, unless they have a lot of discipline and they have someone that's willing to convince them to meet with a good sports psychologist or, 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 you know, a good mind coach, they're not going to do it. They're going to want to save their money for something else. Even if it's something destructive, like, I don't know, cocaine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking of unions, you know, for years, you know, during the UFC, once it started really, you know, hitting that pinnacle, man, it started really rising. It became that talk of unions because again, it was also mainly based on fighters not getting paid what they thought they should get paid. So that's when the whole ideas of unions start coming up and insurance start coming up. Well, they threw them a bone. A lot of the fighters a bone and got them the insurance. You know, I always felt like that was a little bit of a pacifier. You know, so it just wouldn't take it a step further. Like, okay, See, give them yeah, the insurance. You're right. You're right. See, the problem though with the insurance is 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 it was more of a publicity stunt from the UFC. Now, see, mm-hmm. because the UFC is able to. Um, the, okay, they're sanctioned by whatever state or province athletic commission right. that 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 they ha- hold the event at. The, those athletic commissions hold them liable for the fighters um, as far as what happens during the event. So if I get my nose broken during the event, they'll send me to the hospital. It, it'll get fixed when I get the bill. I send it to to the UFC. The UFC will will eventually take care of it. Now them going around saying that that we had health insurance, that that was more of a publicity stunt than anything. Because every single time that I would fight, um, I would have to fight tooth and nail afterwards with them just to get them to approve my injuries that I sustained during the fight. And they would say, no, this is a pre-existing condition, right? This hip thing, uh, you said your hip was bothering you before. Yeah, it was bothering me before. I heard it in the, I heard it three fights ago in which I told you guys that I hurt my hip and you guys wouldn't fix it. And not, you know what I mean? And then if you call them out on, on, on them, uh, you know, saying that, you know, that, that they would cover pre-existing conditions, which is what they told the public, so that they would get you know a little pat on the back, then uh, they would just not not respond to you anymore. And this isn't just only me. This isn't yeah. only my situation. There's uh, many many fighters ha- have dealt with this, and so it's like they didn't actually have a health plan. It wasn't like okay, here's your health plan. Here's a package for it. Here's your network providers. Here's where you go if you have a problem after your training. This is your doctor. It was basically like if you get if you have a fight. We'll take care of obvious injuries that are sustained in the fight, 
And, you know, when, when the bill gets sent to you, you have to send the bill to us. It was, there was no yeah. third party yeah, uh, right. health insurance or anything like that. And then, and then what do you do after you're retired? You've developed all of these injuries yeah. from years of fighting. <laughs> you can't even pension? get it. Well, <laughs> yeah, you can't even, you can't even get insurance on your own because they're going to look at all your pre-existing issues well, here's and say, the well, it's a thousand bucks a month for you, or it's going to be more, or we're just not going to cover you because you have so many injuries. Well, yeah. The problem is now, it's like now with uh, the healthcare act, they will cover you. It's just like how much coverage you're going to get now because they can't, they can't turn you away now, thanks to Obamacare. But again, how much is the freaking you know premium going to be? How much is the coverage going to yeah. be when you have all those pre-existing conditions? Because they can't turn you away for pre-existing conditions. That's the good news. The bad yeah. news is it's not going to be cheap. You know, yeah. you're damaged. You're a lemon, dude. You're rolling in. You know, your the wheels are falling off. The carburetor is about to explode, and the exhaust pipe's dragging. You know, and you're trying to come up on a on a Lexus parking you know lot to try to sell that. Thing. Yeah, they're gonna look like, dude, what the hell am I supposed to do with this besides use it for scraps? <laughs> you know, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much what yeah. you are at that point. You're scrapping yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man. It's true. Well, I think the solution is to move to Norway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I know. The Let's just get out of America. Let's move to Switzerland. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you they, take, they take 70% of your income, but you get free medical care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but your lifestyle is so good, you won't ever get sick because, hey, they're yeah. the happiest people on earth. Well, that's because there's good-looking blondes everywhere. Yeah, Who wouldn't be happy? Have you seen the women in Norway? That's the reason why. It's like, the women in Norway man. looking at the women in Norway. It's like, it's like you're going to take 70% of my – oh, never mind. Hey, Go ahead. You can hey, take 90%. <laughs> yeah, you you got to learn their language, and you got to you got to uh, be there for seven years in order to gain citizenship. It's not easy. No, I'm they sure But I tell you what, on a totally random point – if I ever were diagnosed with cancer, I would go to Switzerland, Switzerland. in a heart in a heartbeat. I would never go to the Western medicine model. I would never go down the road of I've already said it. I would be living new. next door to Tina Turner, and I would have a big bowl <laughs> of weed, you know, curing that cancer while I'm sitting next door to her. I'm like, okay. I tell, I tell you what, it's it's like the um, it's it's the worst mentality. It's the same thing as as the antibiotics and all this other stuff. It's like. Like, it, let's say that there was, like, a small group of terrorists invading a city. Like, you know, you got a few dozen terrorists, and they've secured a couple major buildings, and they're holding people hostage. Would the, would the, uh, would the solution be to nuke the entire city? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, Great and analogy. Then, and then hope that a few people made it out? Or, or would the solution be to go in there and, and try to take care of the problem directly. See, that's what antibiotics and chemotherapy are to me. Yeah, it's like, right. yeah. let's, let's destroy everything in there and hope that, um, the, the good stuff is able to somehow rebuild and that the bad stuff will go away. And it's like, yeah. that, so that's it's like we're going to, we're going to kill you. And if you survive, then you may live another year or two. It's such a, crude, <laughs> right. it's such a crude way of going about doing it. It's like, I, you know how, um, all these ridiculous medical ideas have been popping up all over the years throughout Europe and, and the United States. And I mean, George Washington died because they kept taking his blood. They believed in blood pooling. These yeah, were supposedly yeah. the best doctors in the entire world at the time. And they were like, would take a pint of his blood. He all, he still feels bad. Look, he looks pale. Let's we need to take more blood. They basically took all his blood and killed him. And yeah. and and you know what I mean. I think like years from now, with any luck, we'll look back at chemotherapy and just be like, I can't believe that we were doing this. Well, people. you know what's stopping progress, Mac? Is oncology is huge business. Oh yeah. I mean, the average cancer patient pays hundreds of thousands a year. Yeah. That's one person. So that actually impedes progressions exactly. in treatment because we should have cured this thing a long time ago let's be honest with all the money this country has and all the people that are suffering with cancer we we should have had a viable cure or much better treatment options a long time ago yet it's countries the other side of the world that are coming up with better options so like yeah. i said i'm not a cancer expert but i know enough that i would that, that i wouldn't go down that route and i would go overseas and go to someone like brzezinski who is actually in america but you could actually have more access to his his treatment options in other countries right. more, without yeah. any impediments like we have here yeah. and that that is not even just cancer it's a lot of other health issues where it's way more progressive during the bush administration stem cell 
research was squashed for so many years and other countries ran moved forward with it and they're coming up i think i think the next big wave of treating a lot of health issues even hormone decline will be via stem cells and it's other countries that are coming up with all the breakthroughs and it's always funny yeah. to me that the reason why that didn't get the advancement that it needed here during that administration it was these moral issues i'm like dude are, are really moral stuff we're talking well you know that's because of different religious beliefs and things like that i'm like seriously Compared to all the well, other, I mean, other, I mean, the reality compared is to the can, other immoral things that are being done under under the watch and guise of this administration. Are you well, serious? it was such a it, yeah. Well, that that's a good point too. And but it was such a flawed argument because you can get stem cells from your own body and right. concentrate them and then put them back in. So how is that a moral issue? <laughs> right. You don't. It, it doesn't have to be from a dead fetus. You know, it's just right. stem cells don't have stem cells can be taken from your own body and then concentrated yeah. well, and then utilized. Well, my thing is, okay, there's a problem with using a dead fetus, but at the same time, you can use, you know, cadavers for all types of other replacements for your body. You know, they're dead too. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, is, you know, is, knee, a, dead, is a dead fetus even a moral issue? Because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that the public should have access to that dead fetus, but if, if the family members decide, exactly. hey, this is a horrible event, but maybe the only good we can get out of this is to take some of the stem cells. That's a decision for them to make. It's not I mean, a decision yeah, for exactly. like you or I to make. <laughs> it's you know? just, that'd be the same as, okay, I need a heart transplant. This guy just died in a car accident. You know, let's use his heart. No, no, no. He's a dead guy. That's his heart. He came, it's natural. <laughs> he came here with that heart and he needs to, you know, he needs to die and leave with that heart. Like, dude, yeah. really? Yeah. It's the same yeah. premise, you know? Yeah. A lot, a lot of double standards, man. Exactly. A lot of double standards. Yeah. The world. They, <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Well, hey, we know you have to leave pretty soon, but before you head out, I wanted to talk to you about your plant-based diet. And I say plant-based because I know you don't like the V word. Right. <laughs> let's, let's start there. What, what is it about the V word? Because I, I have issues with the V word myself, but I'm curious what you, are, what, what you have. Well, it's because it's unfortunately become a word that's, that's, uh, that, that polarizes. You know, it's a, it's a word that a lot of people that want to be – look, like – the people behind the vegan movement and behind the, like the animal rights movement, for for example, like I, I believe in the same things that they believe in, but right. um, I I've always had a problem with the way a large portion of them have gone about promoting it and the way that they've you know kind of right. like drawn these lines in the sand and and I understand why they're so passionate about it. I mean it's it's a it's an important. Um, cause you know it's it's it should but it should be taken seriously and if you're like just obnoxious and childish about the way you're doing things and you're and you're gonna go running around telling everybody almost almost like the the um you know the crazy like religious belief of of like either you repent or you're going to hell and if you don't believe you've gotta you know you've gotta only believe in in this religion and this is the only way this it's is like, the only true way yeah exactly. yeah then then you're just going to push people away whether those people had potential to change or not you're just going to push them away and i just don't like labels in general um like w- before i decided to go vegan and by the way um you are like directly responsible for inspiring me to to go ahead and try it and when when everyone else was was uh, you know like surrounding me trainers and people were were telling me that that uh you know it wasn't healthy it wasn't good if you wanted to be an athlete like i i saw your diet as an example that you posted online many years ago in 2004 and i took oh, that as an example and and that's that's why i changed and see you weren't going around saying this is the way you've got to do it and everybody needs to do this and if you don't if if you eat meat you're a murderer and all this stuff you weren't saying that you were like hey check out my diet this is what i eat and i looked at it and i said wow that's not much different than what i'm eating now already i just got to eliminate the chicken and fish okay let's do it and i tried it for a month and i felt great and then I've been able to inspire a lot of people just through just through leading by example, and I feel that's the way to do it rather than than um, you know wearing a label on my shirt. You know what I mean? Like going around saying that I'm a part of a club and like 
and dividing. I don't believe in that that, that these kinds no, of think, classifications. Uh, you know, I, I think someone like you is so important actually to getting other people inspired or even look or even looking at it seriously. Because when professional athletes start gravitating towards a plant based diet, that's very powerful. Because if a if an athlete can thrive on it, then why can't a sedentary guy who sits in an office all day long thrive on it? So it's yeah. a, it's a very powerful message. And then also, I think the way you look is going to be a powerful message too. And that's one thing I've tried to get across to a lot of people in the animal rights movement who don't look healthy and don't right. look remote. I mean, they're not inspiring anyone just by the way they look. Sure. They go, if sure. this thing is so healthy, why do you look like shit? That's the first <laughs> thing anyone who talks to you is going to be thinking. It's like you're this spindly yeah. weakling. You couldn't do a pull-up to save your life. Right. And you're trying to tell someone they should be eating like you. Yeah. It's not going to be very inspiring. Right. But right. I've had a lot of people come to me and ask me without me even bringing it up because they either took one of my courses or they saw me online or something else. And they're going, yeah. wow, that guy's definitely making it work. I wonder what he's doing. So I, I, yes. I agree wholeheartedly with you that – the most powerful message is your life. And I think that's what Gandhi said is let your life be your message. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you can, be, you can play the part in this, in this play that you want, you know, it's, it's up to you. And, um, I just, yeah, I don't believe in like labeling myself uh, like something. And like the word vegan is it's the word itself is fine. It's, it's a definition and it's easier than me going around saying, okay, well, Here's the deal, like I, I don't eat this, this, yeah. and this, and here's what, I, here's what I do eat, and you know what? I also decided not to like buy leather, and I stay away from animal products whenever I can. Yeah. Like you know, you know, it's it's easy to just use that word, but then unfortunately, because of the 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 way things are, you know, that that word carries a it's it's a very loaded word. You know what I mean? And and uh, and and so I I'm a little bit. Like, well, I've had out. I've had people go, you know, it's kind of ironic that you eat a vegan diet, yet you're a big fan of the UFC. And I'm like, why is that ironic? <laughs> I was like, you're trying to equate the UFC to factory farming? That's a pretty yeah. big fucking stretch, man. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing about it. Like, when you don't do go down the line of all the things that you know you eliminate, you know, from consumption, you know, in your lifestyle, and you just leave it, use that one word, and leave it up to the other person to interpret. It. That's what happens. They think like, wait a minute, yep. you don't want to see animal slaughter, but you like to see two men beat the hell out of each other. Like, right, right. <laughs> That's the first thing they think about. They think they think that pretty much when you hear vegan, you're gonna see someone sitting in a lotus position, pretty much meditating right. in the Himalayas somewhere, right. and probably right. not even eating at all because they're so zen that they, they don't even have to eat. <laughs> they can just think they can just think food into you're, their you're body. You're a breathinarian now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, the next step. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's true though. I mean, and and here's the thing: like like animal rights is is something that should be treated seriously i think right. and and i think oh, that yeah. um the way that a lot of people go about uh you know crusading for animal rights is extremely immature and obnoxious and when you kind of corner them about it or not corner them because i'm i'm the last person to do that but w when you when you put them on a the spot about about that they 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 say well you know um, you've got to you've got to make waves. You've got to bring attention to it. But the problem is the attention that's being brought to it is is negative. And right. so when someone in when the quote unquote average Joe turns on the TV and sees um, like these animal rights activists like all naked, chained up, and like screaming, oh, yeah. throwing paint, stuff throwing paint on people's fur, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. th throwing paint on people and and all this stuff. They say. Oh, look at those crazy animal rights people. Those people are just crazy. Look at look at what they're doing. Like that's that's nuts. They care more about animals than they do about people. That's just weird. And and then after then that just brings negativity to the cause, and it makes PETA look li like a bad organization. And then then it, my God, if you if you tell people you're vegan, they just think you're you're one of these crazy people. And it's it's unfortunate because I feel like it should be treated. With a lot more, like well, respect. I think I think there's a lot of good voices right now. For example, the documentary Cowspiracy. I thought yes. that was exceptional, Absolutely. and that that's the way to do it because it, it wasn't coming from a place of judgment. It was just laying right. out facts in a very well, in, in a very reasonable manner. And you can't argue with the facts that are laid out in the movie. 
that's the thing about it yeah. as well. It was, it was it was very accurate. And I think yeah. I think one thing that most people will agree on if they're educated is that factory farming is not a good idea for ever, anyone. It's not a good yeah. idea for you. It's not good for the animals. The only people that are profiting are the companies that own the factory farms, and yeah. it's it's not sustainable. <clears throat> whatsoever so even if you could care less about animals if you care about your own health and your family's right. health you're not right. going to want right. to support that and if you care yeah. if you want to avoid contributing to corporate greed you're going to want to stop contributing to that as well because it's about creating the lowest quality product and charging the highest amount that you're willing yeah. to pay for it yeah and that's what people don't realize and then the long-term repercussions of consuming that product is you're going to have much higher medical bills yeah. so it's it's a lose-lose situation for everyone except the people that make money off of it yeah 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 yeah, yeah definitely absolutely it's kind of hard to sit there and complain about like, oh man, they're building the banks out and they're just sitting there robbing us and the top 1% are getting this, this, and this. And then you're sitting there having this discussion at McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> you know, sitting there having a happy meal while you're talking about this. <laughs> man, like, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. You're at Fud Rockers. That's the man. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> some of the most de devout conspiracy theorists that, uh, that I've seen or heard of are, are eating fast food and drinking vodka all the time. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, 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 and it's the way it goes, you know, and, and people know they have vices and they're, they're not always honest with themselves about that. And, and that's, you know, well, that, you know that's, my, my theory is that the majority of people in this world, but especially America are depressed. They're not clinically diagnosed as depressed, but they're depressed. They're the average depressed. person walking around is not a happy camper. They're not, they're not happy with their life. They're not happy with their relationship. They're not happy with their job. And then that's why they self-medicate with alcohol, with drugs, with Reality television, TV. television addiction, <laughs> with posting fucking selfies on Facebook every five minutes. Or posting their uh, bad relationships the, on the Facebook. Person, <laughs> yeah, the average person is, is so depressed that they're just looking for any kind of positive stimulation yeah. that, that that's going to make them feel better for the moment. Now, now, if more people took charge of their life and decided that I'm going to do something I'm passionate about, I don't give a fuck how much money I make. I'm just going to pursue something I'm passionate about, and I'm I'm only going to be surround myself with people that are supportive of me, that are good people, and I'm only going to do these kind of actions that are that are that are actually good for my health and so forth. Right. That would have an incredible impact on yeah. the world not just your own health but everyone around you i think i think a lot of the crime a lot of the violence and all of that is from people not following their bliss it sounds overly right. simplistic and i'm sure it's much more complex than what i'm saying but I, but it all starts at that root cause my brother who's a film he's a film director as well as a script writer he he studied hitler big time for one of his roles on why people are evil, one of his scripts, one of his characters. Right. So he really want, he really wanted to understand the psyche of someone like Hitler. And one th one of the things he deduced, and this is very Freakonomics-like, is, is that Hitler wanted to be a, I think it was a architect, but he wasn't willing to push all the way through to be really good at it. So he always had that deep level of insecurity. And a lot of the evil things that he went on to do came from that one simple point. Now, is it, is it likely more complex than that? I'm sure it is. But that's one of the pivotal points that yeah. led him down that road. Now, think about how many people just sold out on their dreams. They wanted to be in a band, but they decided, well, I'm going to be practical and go work for fucking uh, Microsoft instead. Sure. Or it's like, I, wanted, I want this kind of woman as a partner, but I'm not going to be able to get that, so I'm just going to marry so. this chick. And then and then and then they have a bunch of kids they don't want to have. It's like, well, I've got three kids, but if I'm being honest with myself, I, I never wanted to kids. have kids. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, so many people fall into these obligations or these these, these what they feel are societal obligations because I don't really feel well, like there's there any is, societal yeah. pressure. You don't you don't have to give in to any societal pressures. I don't buy that argument. It's a cop out. Well, that's the thing, man. When you leave, when you base your decisions on life on guilt and fear, then that's what you're gonna get, man. You, yeah. You're gonna get yeah. all these things we're talking about because all those things you just mentioned is based on guilt and fears, like. Well, I, you know, let's take Hitler for example. He want he probably he wanted to be an architect, but I'm pretty sure his parents probably said, mm, "That's not going to be a very sustainable career. You should try this." Oh, why would you do something like that? Or you have so many people in so many cultures where like they don't they want to be an artist or a photographer, but because of their culture, they need to be an engineer, a lawyer, or a doctor, or otherwise you're a failure and a, and you're dishonoring the family. You know, that's a lot of pressure. There's this, there's this show on um, Lifetime now called Child Genius. You know, and after watching the first episode of that thing, I just want to punch every one of those parents in the freaking face. These kids are all Mensa 
students. Okay, you've got an eight-year-old with an IQ of 156. Meanwhile, even though he's in this contest where they're competing for, believe this, a $100,000 scholarship, by the time these kids get old enough to go to college, that $100,000 scholarship is going to be worth about $1,000. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but the parents, are, I mean, the one kid, this little Asian kid that won the first round, his mother still said, I still think he could have done better. He could have done better. And, the, and she's like, we need to do more studying. And the kid was like, I don't want to study right now. She goes, no, we need to start studying right now. He goes, no, this is relax time i'm gonna relax this is a kid is like eight years old telling his mom that and she goes no you can do better you can do better can you just imagine what this child's life is going to be like yeah. you could be right right now we could probably be watching a potential timothy mcveigh right yeah. because he's just going to explode yeah. one freaking day man and, you know he's, he's channeling all this stuff now and it's starting right here and we're witnessing it and we're watching and being entertained by it at the same time you know so i'm just sitting there like you know what after watching one episode i'm like you know what i'm f this show you know that's that's my way of protesting that right there you know instead of supporting yeah it. you know well, i think i think i think if everyone stopped watching tv the world would be a better place honestly oh, yeah. Well, then to get rid of get rid of get rid of cable. Yeah, yeah exactly. The then you have to go out and have real discover, world. If, if people cultures. if people did two things, got rid of their Facebook page and got rid of their TV, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have any choice but to go be successful. Because what what are you going to do now? You don't have you don't have four hours to waste watching TV, which is the national average, and you don't have eight hours to waste, which is the average on Facebook. So you got well, so all the time in the world it. now to pursue your goal. And I know and I know you don't have all the time in the world, Mac. So we're going to let you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm looking at day. the clock. I know you need to get going. But uh, where, yeah. where, can, where can people find out more information about everything you have going on, your your teaching and, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess on Twitter they can follow me at uh, at Mac Danzig MMA, all one word, and then um, you know on, on Facebook at, at uh, Mac Danzig MMA, and um, I also you know for one of one of my my side hobbies, my passion uh, is uh, nature and wildlife photography, which I don't really get to do all that much, yeah. but um, looking to, to, to get out there uh, more often. Uh, which, you're uh, very, which you're very talented with. Is that something you sell? Is there other things? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You can, you can, people can buy prints and more than it, that, um, more, more than just like, because it, it's kind of hard to, to make a living off of selling prints unless you have like a resident <laughs> gallery that, that you're at, but but I, I like to uh, just have it out there for people to check out in case they happen to be the type of people that, that enjoy those types of scenes and, and, and those types of images. And um, it's a way for me to just kind of aesthetically, like, give thanks and, and show, you know, the, the, the cool uh, places that I've experienced. So if you want to go to macdanzigphoto.net, that's um uh, that's my my uh photography website and uh on there you know yeah you can you can uh contact me through there to buy prints if if you're into that and and uh if not just just have a look and and check out the photos i just like sharing you know like like some of the most uh beautiful remote places and and uh you know di different shots of animals and stuff in these places that that i've been able to to collect over the years so Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely put that in the show notes, guide people that way. Love to have you come back down the road, man. You're yeah. a fast, fascinating guy to talk to. So I mean, there's we just hit the tip of the iceberg with you today. Yeah, man. Any any time, man. I lo I love talking to you guys. I, I I really love your show. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's do it again. I'm down. Sounds good, Mac. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. All the best All right. to you. Take, Take care, care, guys. Thanks. Take care. And again, that's Mac Danzig. Super cool guy. I I, I enjoyed watching his career and his one of the guys I've wanted to talk to for quite a while in our show. So I was glad we finally got him. And on a, on a business level, about 4% of my overall traffic is search in, is, is looking for Mac Danzig information. <laughs> so, so from a business motivation, this is going to be very good for my website. Thank you, Mac. <laughs> so check out Mac Danzig on Twitter and we'll, we'll definitely get him back because we could have talked to him just on, oh, just yeah. talking about the UFC alone. That was fascinating. Oh, we yeah, could have man. talked to him for a few more hours. Someone about is that actually like really an insider who actually, just will be very forthcoming you know you have other people kind of yeah. dance around stuff you know because they're afraid like all oh, the repercussions of that but yeah here's the yeah. thing when you retire and there's no pension plan included with it it's like i can say what the hell i want <laughs> okay so well, you know yeah so yeah exactly that's yeah, it's cool when people are irreverent though sometimes yeah. even people that are retired are like well i don't want to i don't want to ruin that relationship yeah, in case any bridges in case the in, in case in case the UFC wants me to be in the the next UFC fit video or, or, or you know? run the next UFC gym, you know, yeah. in Compton. <laughs> Sounds like a prison but, sentence, man. When the UFC pre workout drink comes out, I want to be able to get paid to endorse that. So I don't want to burn that bridge. <laughs> 
Oh, man, kind of like some of the fitness people in our industry that'll endorse anything for not much. But exactly. that's, a, that, that's a topic for maybe the next show we're about to record, where it's just going to be you and I. So we're <laughs> going to... Why? Why I endorse so-and-so? And this is why we're recording this show that we're about to talk about your ass. Oh, yeah, man. We're going to... We're going we're gonna, to... We're, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go balls deep into that topic on the next episode, for sure. <laughs> but until then, support the show, folks, by using coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, I've got testosterone booster and estrogen control product that both men and women can take, Restorezyme so that when you go to the bathroom, it doesn't look like a crime scene anymore, and then recovery oil so you get a deep sleep at night so you don't wake up with all that anxiety with no energy. If you don't get good deep sleep at night, you're not going to wake up ready to go. You're going to have to drink coffee all day long, which is good hey, for <laughs> Sincere's Triador business and his new coffee blend. But, uh, <laughs> and how about with you, man? What could they do over there? Hey, man, speaking of coffee, finally, people, they're back in. The Triadors are back in. The coffee stands, do the pour over coffee. The coffee stands came straight from Costa Rica. Took a while, but that's how Costa Ricans roll, and I've, I've made peace with that now. But I have them back in stock, so you can definitely go over to my website, newwarriortraining.com, and purchase those. Just use that coupon code LLA. You get 20% off. Did I say 20%? 10% off. <laughs> 10% off of that. That's my age. Slow your roll, folks. If you buy two of them, then, yeah, you got 20% off. So there you go. <laughs> Do the math. So, yeah. Sure, you, you buy 10, it's 100%. There you go. Boom. There you go. <laughs> and while you're there, I mean, you know, pretty much hit me up after you purchase it, man. I can actually help you really dose and really dial the coffee in so you don't just go in and grab some crappy coffee from off the shelf, some Folgers or something like that, and expect it to taste great. Look, man, the Chariador is not a miracle worker. You know, if you buy crappy coffee, it's going to be crappy coffee. You know, but here's the thing. You buy great coffee, it'll help you to really see how great the coffee is by recognizing different flavors within the coffee, whereas before, coffee just tasted like coffee, and that wasn't really coffee that you were tasting. And this is what will help you do that, just by the way it filters it out and the way it retains the oils and gives it a much fuller taste. That's what the Sharia door does. That's what the whole, as Mike calls it, the sock condom does for it when it filters yeah, I, the coffee I, I need out. a new sock condom. Oh, it's on the way, brother. Oh, cool, also, <laughs> for all of you who have purchased Sharia doors in the past, I now have the bolsitas, the little sock, the little filter, the cotton filter that you pour, you know, pour the water through for your coffee. I have those in stock now, so I have a bag of three. So therefore, that should last you for the whole year. Don't don't use it as a as a no, real condom. Let me unless, tell you, unless, unless you're banging your sex doll or something, then it's exactly because okay. this is not going to slow down the population if you try to use this as a real condom. Okay? So, so well, yeah, in man. some in some ways it will because you're not going to be able to put it in anything. No, significant other is going to look at you like, okay, first of all. What the hell is that on you? What is that? <laughs> and you're not putting that in me. Okay. So look, man, use it for what it's for. Great coffee. Okay. So, okay. Let's stick with the game plan here. Focus, damn it. All right. So. And, and, and on a totally unrelated note, if you're an old fitness guy, don't take pictures of yourself coming out of the shower. Can I just say we don't need to see that? At a certain age, I need everyone to keep, to keep your shirts on, whether you're in shape or not. Just keep your clothes. You have to remember, on. you look good for your age. <laughs> for your age, don't forget that part. You look you, good for your you age. You look good for your age, but you walking around without any clothes is not a good look. Okay, so yeah, we don't we don't need to see any photos of any guy with their shirt off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's put it that way. You know? Oh man. Sorry, folks. So, yeah, hop over to both our websites, man. Put in that coupon code. You get 10% off any damn thing that we have over there that you can buy. Okay? And other than that, you want to support the show. Otherwise, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash LLA podcast and become a monthly sponsor of the show. Yeah, you, you get to pick the price, man, but we suggest $5 to start off with. If you want to get more than that, we'll take it <laughs> and keep producing quality shows like this, as well as another way you can support the show Rate us and review us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Please, we'll take that. That'll work, too. And so let's, let's get those numbers up on those reviews, man. You know, it's looking good. Yeah, we're up to about 153. Let's get 200 as the next target. Yeah, let's do that. So let's make that happen. All right, folks. So there you go. So now we're about to hop on and record this next episode of uh, our review for 2014 and predictions for 2015. So keep tuned for that. All right, folks. Take care. Take care, boys.